What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. Appreciate you being here. My name is Brett McGrath. I'm the host. I lead marketing at The Juice. What is deep inside the hearts and minds of those people that you are trying to reach, your customers, everyone who's in your audience, that represents your brand. I like to think about it when you're not in the room, what other people are saying. I love digging into brand with really smart marketers, especially marketers who have been doing it for a while and are working on building some of the best brands that we have in B2B marketing. And today's conversation is no exception. I'm joined by Gwen. She leads brand marketing at Cinch. Today, we're talking about steps to take to build a brave brand. I was scoping out her LinkedIn profile and she mentioned Brave Brand and that said, I thought to myself, that sounds interesting. Let's get the lowdown on what that means from her and how she thinks about building it. You're gonna love this conversation. If you like what we're doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a marketing friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What's going on, everyone? Excited about today's topic, steps to take to build a brave brand. I got this idea from scouring today's guest's LinkedIn profile. I thought, you know what, it'd be fun to define it, dig in and try to understand why this is more important probably now than ever before. I'm joined by Gwen Lafage, who's the VP of Brand and Content at Cinch. Gwen, welcome. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this discussion. So am I. I'm excited to learn a little bit from you. Before maybe we dive in to the topic at hand, I'd love for you to maybe frame up Cinch just for anyone who might not be familiar, who you all are, what you do. Give us the skinny. Yeah. So Cinch is the customer communications cloud. We basically help and support companies or brands to connect where with their audiences on all the platform, all the channels, we make it easy for them to really build those connections. So, and when I say all the channels, I mean, everything around like mobile marketing. So like SMS, MMS, all of the other OTT channels, but also email and voice. So we give them all the communication tools to connect with their audiences. I love it. Now diving in. So it was funny. I, you know, I try to do as much research as possible on the people that are coming on the show. And part of my process is digging into the LinkedIn profile. And when I read you frame up building brave brands or something to that effect, I had never really thought about B2B brands as being brave, but something about reading that from you, it, it resonated with me. It really hit. And so maybe just as we kick this off, maybe talk a little bit about just like what it like what is a brave brand and kind of those elements that make up a brave brand. Yeah, so I think like the the, the trick right like is is in B two B tech a lot of the products that companies offer get commoditized right like so in a way if you compare product to product very easily, it's like, okay, those two platforms, like usually all in one platforms, right? Like that's what everybody's doing right now. I kind of like almost the same. And I think the company that I've understood that in order to stand out and actually to, to, to win in, in the, in the market, right. They need to be more than just the products and the features that they're offering. And they learn to capitalize on brand and they create what I, 
call, like you said, like a brave brand. So brand that really dare to stand out and dare to go maybe against some of the norm in the market because it's a battle for attention, right? Like, and I think at the point when you get to a battle for the wallet, right? Like we all compete in a way with like not only the brands within the exact category, but with like, let's say in MarTech, for example, you compete with all the MarTech brands because at the end of the day, the companies are the buyers, they have a certain budget and they need to decide where they put it, right? So it might not be in one category or the other. Sometimes it's in between. And I think if you win this kind of battle for attention first so that they know about you before they are ready to buy. And then if you kind of build this preference through building a brave brand, then you have an open door, at least it's easier to open the door. So that's that's kind of how, how I see it. And the brand that are brave, I think they understand that, right? So they put some efforts and into brand or building a brand and they dare to do things a bit differently, I think. And they create a an affinity with their audiences very early on, probably before people are ready to buy. That word affinity, I think, is such a, a powerful word. And it's something, especially when maybe you're not in marketing, maybe you're in sales, maybe you're part of the leadership team. You don't think about maybe as much as like a brand marketer would every day. You're typically, you know, doing whatever you can to drive business results, to hit the bottom line, but building affinity, it's, it's kind of, there's a little bit of a mystery around it. It's hard to maybe quantify when you, you've been a brand marketer for quite some time. When you think about just like that word affinity and, and what it takes to build affinity, especially in this era where there's, you know, so many companies all doing the same things. What type of maybe actions or activities are you thinking about out of the gates before you even talk about the product to try to build that connection with your audience? I think it goes through like the the storytelling and what your brand stands for. So last weekend, I was at the Coca-Cola Museum. It was really interesting, the experience they make you go through and like how we all know that Coca-Cola is all about the moments, right? So they don't talk about like, I don't know, the bubbles and <laughs> the taste and like, how is it fizzier than Pepsi? I, I mean, like, who knows, right? But I think they all really make it about the experiences and the moment. When you go to the museum, they play you this little movie when they show strong moments in life. One is a wedding proposal, like one is some people jumping from like an airplane, a birthday party, like a a whole lot of like very strong emotional moments in those kind of normal people life. And there will be like a Coke maybe in the corner or maybe they celebrate with it, but it's not the front and center. It's all about the moment and the experience and the storytelling and the emotion you build. And I think that's something that brands, even in B2B, can aim to achieve in like building those emotional connections the way you do it right is 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 various right like you can do a lot, lot of different things depending also of the budget you have i think a lot of b2b tech company have done some pretty successful brand campaigns when they actually create that stories right like give this kind of narrative in a more emotional way and sometimes it's like funny videos or like more emotional fuzzy videos i guess like this this type of approach and another way is is now especially for smaller 
startup scale-up type of companies, doing it on social is very powerful. And they can do it either through their brand profile or through their people. And I think that's also how you build this kind of connection, right? The affinity at first might also be with certain person, but kind of like become bigger and and kind of radiate to the brand itself. So I think there's, there's different ways to approach it, but building those almost emotional connection is, I think, a, a way to create, well, to create it, right? Before you go into features and price battles. Still, still to this day, when I see the Coca-Cola logo, it like, it transmits me back to being a kid and seeing the polar bears in Christmas time and just that brand <laughs> campaign that Coca-Cola, it still, still sticks with me today. And I think, I don't know, that's, that's obviously powerful. And I know Coca-Cola has the marketing budget that, you know, times yes. a million <laughs> that we all wish we had. But I think there are some core elements that we can learn from kind of the the, the superpower brands like Coca-Cola. I want to maybe talk a little bit about something you said earlier about just like commodities and everyone kind of does the same type of thing. You know, if you, Scott Brinker's MarTech map, you like look at it and there are categories, but they're every year, like each of the logos looks more and more like an ant because there's new logos that are entering the mix. And so like I was looking at just like event platforms, digital event platforms recently, there's it every day, it seems like there's a new one popping up who is probably doing the similar thing as the competitor. So there's an opportunity for those brands to probably differentiate at a level that their competitors are not, but they have to sell and they need to drive pipeline and those things matter. So I'm just curious on your end, like, why do you think it is, why do you think it is important to build a brave brand, more important to build a brave brand now than ever before? And like, especially when there's a lot of pressure and there's economic shifts, like how do we as marketers make sure that we kind of prioritize that? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, the more the more competitive the market get, the more important it is because it's going to be, you have to kind of put yourself in the mindset of your customers, right? Or your audiences, how are they going to decide, right? And first, like first that you need to be considered, Right. Like you, like you said, let's, let's take the event platform. There's like so many of them. It's easy to kind of consider when you do start doing your research. And I guess at that point, you know, you need an event platform. So you've already kind of a long way along the funnel, I guess you're like in the consideration phase when we try to pick the right supplier. Well, the supplier you will pick and put in your like top three list are people that I have or companies that have stand out right like that you've seen before regardless of the features because you were not really digging into the details of exactly what you do you say oh the event platform and then some that will come to mind when you're doing that research the one that didn't come to mind they've lost like the part of the battle right that means that they're not even in 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 the consideration phase so that means that before you were looking for exactly that like exactly that platform you already had in mind brands that have popped it into your social feed and you've seen ad for. And that's kind of the first part is like being there before people want to buy so that they actually Mm. consider you when they are ready to buy. And I think the more competitive it is, the more you need to be there first. Otherwise, you're not even going to be in the top three list when they start to really comparing features and prices and everything, right? Like So I think it's important. It's a bit like, I know there's this kind of like, movement and like 
definition between like demand creation and demand capture. And in a way, I think it's it's a it's a bit similar, right? Like before you capture that demand and before you kind of like win the battle on on the feature and the products and people really dig and do this trial. First, they need to have heard about you. And if you build that affinity we were talking about, then you're going to be there at the top of the list, right? I mean, I have a few brands like that, I guess, or a company like that, that when I'm going to start looking at if I need them, I know who they are, right? Like, and, and for example, if we were talking event platform, I think there was hoping during the pandemic that made like a really good impression and they did a lot of brand building. I know they've been through some rough times since after pandemic, right? Event platform has not had the glory days of event platform was probably during the pandemic. But then there's Airmeet. And I think like they, I'll consider them too, because they're doing a really great work, especially on social, right? And like they, they, you've seen them there, right? Like, so I think it's, it's really having those, building those affinities through the people. I guess Airmeet is doing it a lot through the people, especially if your target audience are sales and marketing. It's kind of easy in a way they hang out on LinkedIn. We all do, I guess, right? Or they at least go once a day. Or And so if you build this affinity there first through your people, I think it's a right, it's pretty powerful. But it's not the only way because obviously, you also want to be where people are. So if they're not on LinkedIn and if you're targeting CFOs or, you know, then you need to kind of figure out where do they go? How do you reach to them so that you become visible and then kind of express what you do in a way that will connect with them almost emotionally. I know we all think that we buy B2B tech on a very formal and very kind of structured, rational way. But the reality is that the people that are looking and searching probably picking the top three on a more kind of emotional way, right? Then maybe it becomes more rational. But I think the beginning is definitely an emotional journey, I think, on like which brands you actually like and want to consider. Oh, man, there's so much you said there that I want to dig into a little bit. So (laughs) the example of the people and you talked about air Mead and, you know, I'm sure you're talking about Nick and Mark and they're <laughs> high. Yeah. You're laughing. We've never talked about this, but we, we, as like we, as marketers who are marketing to marketers, we, whether we hit like, whether we comment or not, everyone sees the same stuff. And so we're all building that connection with brands or people, whether you like it or not. So just like showing up and being there is is half the battle. But like talking a little bit about just infrastructure. So they, their strategy, Airmeet, has been, obviously it's been, all right, let's leverage social channels and let's get people who we want to use our product to trust us, to learn from us. And they're high activity, constantly providing value. So that to me, just like peeling apart, if I take the hood up, like that's kind of what I'm seeing them do. Now, I guess like for you, like what type of infrastructure do you think needs to be in place in order for like a brave brand to even have a chance or to exist in this era? We talked about like the people perspective, but like you as a brand marketer, like what sort of things are you trying to organize around just to make sure that you show up the same way as maybe an air meet is that we're just organically talking about them on a podcast? Yeah, I think like, I mean, there's different, I guess, different questions. First, like on on the people and like on using social and your people. I think like that's, 
I will say a lot easier to do when you're a smaller company. I can see that like at the brand we connect on on social, right? They usually that's not going to be like I don't know Adobe, Oracle. Like you you probably don't like interact as much with people at those larger company, and they're probably not as engaged in like. In, in promoting the companies are like an air meet, for example, right? Like, so I think there's a little bit of nuance there for sure. And it's also depends who your target audience are, right? Like if it's a marketing and sales, then that's the right strategy. So I think for air meet, it's the right strategy for them. Definitely work. They're targeting marketers. They're targeting marketers in tech. Most of them are like peers. So like you build those, those connections that way. A bit harder to do when you're like a larger companies targeting like, Fortune 500 and like maybe some other audiences. So not just sales and marketing, but purchasing, I don't know, accounting, CFOs, IT. They also hang out on LinkedIn, but probably less. So that's just a little bit of a nuance there. And then going back to the foundation. So I think what does a company need, right? Like the first step for me is, is their positioning, right? They need to have like a solid story that, is understood by the company and the people at the company and have kind of consistency about what is that strategic narrative? What is that positioning? What are the differentiators? What are the things that really makes them unique that you want to kind of nail that first? And that needs to be the core of everything else you do, right? Like it needs to be throughout everything. So that's the first thing. Then the second part for me is like, I call it creative excellence. And like, that's kind of the, when we talk about brand, that's the thing that we see in our mind, I guess, first is like, you see your logo and your colors and your kind of visual identity. And that's important, right? Like it's not the only, brand is not just that, but it's definitely an important component of your brand. And you need to think about that in a way that is, work for you kind of long-term and how you stand out. Like it's a tricky part as well because there's trends, right? There's design trends and all of a sudden you'll see all the brands having illustration and then, oh, illustration, not so trendy anymore. All the brands are going to be doing like something something else, but all in the same way, right? So you have to be careful when you want to stand out with your brand that it's recognizable and memorable and that can go through the design and then it's the consistency It's like how you build that consistency through everything you do so that people when they see you talking about your company they see an ad they see like i don't know a white paper they see a website it feel that it's all come from the same family and it really works together mm. right some brands do that really well like i think some brand you take out the logo and you know it's them, right? Like there will be like, I don't know, gong, like strong, big color that like is always kind of the same, like snowflake. They have like this, this really strong consistency on color and graphic element that are there again and again. So that's another component of it. I think like the two kind of foundation, the story and the visual Mm. identity, and then they need to work together. And you need to have that those solid foundations so that you can expand and make sure everybody at the company knows it because your brand is like all the different touch point that people have with with you, mm. right? Like in a way that is kind of how I see brand. And that's why it's it's complex because you can influence, right? How people perceive you, but you cannot control it, right? So those are kind of the elements you can put together to try to influence how people are going to see you. And it goes from your website to the ads, but also potentially how people answer the phone when you call the company, right? Like, or how your sales team react and like the story they tell. And again, the bigger the company, the more complex that is because 
it's a lot easier to align 400 people than it is 4,000, right? Or 10,000. But I think having the solid foundation and then building around that, like at Cinch, we, we've established that. And we also kind of build what we call a brand hub, which is like the kind of brand guideline, but also element that you want people to potentially share on, on their social, all the different element of the brand that they can they can actually use so that they become brand ambassadors. So we try to build that up. So that we enable people at the company to be those brand ambassadors. And it start with, yeah, the foundation and having a place when people can go to kind of understand the brand and find all the elements associated with it. So it doesn't work with like a one static PDF, right? Because your brand evolves all the time. But I, th- I believe in creating that hub to enable the people. So when I think about a brave brand, I think about the culture and having a strong internal culture. And I think about those examples that we just talked about, about, you know, people, whether they're in marketing or not sharing content from their company and consistently showing up. And you just gave an example at Cinch, the brand hub, maybe talk a little bit about what the culture looks like when kind of the brave brand is forming. And maybe you as kind of the quarterback of the process, like, you talked about the hub, but like, what are some of the types of things that you have to do to make sure that the brand stays top of mind with the people who are going to be driving it out into the market? So internal communications, right? Like is is definitely key and important to like repeat the message and do it again and again, and kind of like communicate with people when things change, when things evolve, but giving them all the templates and tool that they need to kind of align with the brand. I think it it is like a, it is a tricky process, I think, especially again, when I say when we are like a big, a bigger companies on how you align everyone around the same story and the the power that you have. I think the, the role of a brand person, I guess, at the company is obviously not to control everything because it will be impossible. Right. And I don't really see the role of the brand person as like brand police or policing when like something is looks off brand yes a lot of things will look off brand uh, especially if you enable the people because they don't always kind of like understand or don't have like a design sensibility sometimes right but I think it's just important to kind of focus on what matters right does it feel that it belongs. And like you say, bringing it back to the culture. I agree. I think the culture is very important. I think the the brand you build at the company needs to align with what the company is about and, and where it, it's from, right? Like you don't want to kind of put like a fake layer on something if it's not true to the core of the company, right? Like, so if you like, for your marketing, maybe it will be great to really be funny and like do a lot of memes and like, but is it really like the core of your brand from the beginning? Is that like uh, the founders or like the CEO giving the same vibe or is that like a disconnect there, right? Like, I think you also have to think about that so that it really match on like what your company is about. And that's kind of like the company values, right? Like those are important for people to understand and know, but also important to understand how you live those values. Values need to be more than just like a poster on the wall or some stickers, right? Like those help, right? And like making people understand and remember what those values are. But it's important as, I guess, a manager and within the company to see how do people live the values? Do you 
hire by the values, right? Like, do you kind of fire by the values, right? Like, I think those are like important components mm. that touch more on the employer branding side of things. And, and it goes beyond brand, right? I think the values are, and the culture goes beyond brand. Brand is almost kind of the the way you connect with your prospect client and and customer and bring your employees along with it the values and like are go a little bit and the culture of the company go beyond that right but i think it it definitely shows when people especially on social when everything is so open and people build in public you can get a sense of the companies through what people post and kind of build that affinity with the people in the company through the values they share and how they act right on social so it's more transparent than it was before i had to laugh in the brand police call out <laughs> it's just we've all bitted that i feel like you know you're a part of a successful company that is really pushing the limits when you get to that point in the year and the successful sales rep is still using his dingy old uh doesn't look great sales deck and he argues with you that it works and i'm going to keep it doing it my way and so it's that conversation with okay we understand it's working but what if we just made it sound and look i feel like it through my experiences on the brand side it, that's always been a, a fun conversation it's like talk to the sales rep and try to okay how can we take what you you built here that you've seen seen and used it and it's been successful, but make it look and feel more like how we're going to market in 2023? I know it's a it's a tricky one. I mean, I cannot even like start to tell you how many like terrible deck I've seen people take slides <laughs> from like old deck, new decks, and become this mashup of like. Frankenstein. Yeah, they make this mon monster exactly. The Frankenstein stuff, and then as brand evolve and look and feel evolve, like some people don't really see when they <laughs> mix them up, where they don't belong together, right? Like, uh, and that's on the look of it. But then on the storytelling, you're right. Like it's it also can vary, but at the same time, it is kind of normal to have several narrative when you become a larger brand like i mean again to the example of cinch we might have like this 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 story and this kind of positioning and, and strategic narrative on the brand level that tell the story of like what we stand for and what we offer at the whole but then we have product lines and specific products that need to tell a specific different stories because not every customer is going to want to buy our entire portfolio. That So you have kind of a portfolio story and then you have probably individual brand or individual kind of product story when you get to like the sales of them. So there's a layer of complexity there when you deal with like a large product portfolio rather than just one product, right? But they need to connect, right? You need to have a red thread on your brand level and on the strategic narrative that kind of is going to be this, this, this thread, right? Like to how you explain your product and they need to work together, right? So that's the complexity of it. And working together with sales is definitely important. I think brand needs to align with products. I think that's a very important part, like your product narrative and your brand narrative need to kind of like go together. In many companies, they just won't. Because you have one product, you have one brand. This is it seems 
well, to be quite simple, given the complexity in a way that we have at Cinch today. But when that's not the case, you really need to align with product to understand their vision, the product roadmap, so that your brand story and your overall company story align with whatever is going to happen on the product innovation side. And then, of course, you need to align with sales. But I will say that in a way, the packaging you put on, like from a brand strategy, strategic narrative might not be the core of your sales deck if you're selling like one specific product. So there's a little bit of a nuance. I think it needs to be in the same direction. It needs to sell the same overall story, but the product story might vary a bit. And it also might vary by audiences, right? Like you probably don't talk to exactly your sales deck to an IT person will probably be slightly different than to a marketer, right? Even if they are at the same company. So Self decks are complex because we would love, I think, at brand to have like this beautiful self deck that everybody uses, and this doesn't really work, right? You need to also adjust your self deck to whoever you're going to present to. You touched on it, just the relationship with product and sales a little bit, and I think one of these things you hear all the time as marketers is, you know, great brand drives demand. I'm curious um, from your perspective, what does brand driving demand really look like? Like what are the things that are happening in motion where, you know, interest is coming in and pipeline is built and salespeople are happy because the brand has been established? Yeah, I think the brand, it, it opened doors, right? Like, so I think obviously when you, when you sell rap or like USDR is going to call up someone and say, Hey, I'm from cinch and they're like oh yeah i've seen your video as like you know i've seen i don't know gwen on linkedin right like that that would be amazing but eh. <laughs> <laughs> i've seen um, gwen on linkedin <laughs> i've seen gwen on linkedin sure like i'm happy to listen to yourself bitch right like, <laughs> but so that definitely opens door so i think that's the first step when we say brand drive demand i think is when brand does more of a kind of category building top of the funnel content that do more than the actual branding, but focus on the pain points and solving those problems even before introducing the brand. So it depends where you feel brand starts and stop, right? Do you have like category and education on a specific market or problem that you're solving that is almost before you introduce how you solve it as a specific company? And I think that's where it helps drive demand in the sense that if you establish yourself as kind of a sole leader, people will listen more to what you have to say and kind of come with you on that journey. And maybe you will open up like a desire for them to kind of get something else or like to understand that they can solve their problem in a different way because you are framing it and because you are helping them understand that the problem they were having is this specific one and there's actually solution for it. Obviously your solution, but I think that's kind of how I see it. It's through the content and through the sort of leadership. I don't really, I'm not a big fan of that word because it's so everyone use it and everyone wants to be a sort leader. And like, what does that mean? Like we all kind of repeating a lot of stuff we're hearing, right? Like I think even brands do that, right? To be a really true soul leader is hard because I mean that you're first in leading with your own souls, right? That's what it means. But I think just putting out like 
content that focuses on the audiences and their pain point and how it can be solved and focusing on some of the use cases that your product product solves through through the the content you you put out there right like can help drive the demand it's like oh yeah i have that problem i read this white paper it come from this brand that i've known and that i trust then it's it's starting to kind of like make the journey in your mind that it could be a good solution so i think it's a core it's a collaboration between the kind of top of the funnel type of content or educational content that you put out there versus like who it come from and again like if you do it let's say back to the linkedin example and the people example a lot of people are doing it through their own profile and it, let's let's take maybe like spectoro i'm sure you're familiar with them mm-hmm. very small company very big brand in a way because they've built this kind of so leadership okay come from the funder they were there before but also the, the marketers like they have a strong voice and they share strong opinions and then they introduce their products right but at the same time they build something bigger than their products and we kind of like follow and trust them because they have to, something to say so i think it's like building that very strong opinion and going on on it you can call it building a category or like but focusing on your positioning like all of it kind of goes together but it's like through your opinions you build your brands your brand just so we did we we have not rehearsed any of this but you mentioned spark toro <laughs> and i think about ran and i think about amanda because they're yeah. the people behind the brand and they're active we've shared other examples of that maybe just in closing like how important is the individual in especially in b2b marketing and martech when everything is commoditized everyone does the same thing how important do you think from a a brave brand building perspective it is to have individuals out on social in the conversations sharing supporting like how big of a piece is that in order to get to that brave brand mountaintop i think it really depends of the size of the company the product you sell the go to market motion and like the audiences that you have it will vary right like if if you're targeting marketing and sales i will say very much because and especially if you're targeting tech b2b tech companies and the audiences right like then yes like if your audiences are like retail again it's it's is back on like where are your audiences right like what do they listen to do they are they on podcasts are they on linkedin do they read some i don't know blogs like where are they um so that you can be where they are and if you can be there through the people i think there's value in there there's value in your founders like telling their story there's value in like your ceo front facing i guess like the the position and the opinions of the company but then again it it really depends not all companies should have a kind of have that strategy in a way like there's plenty of like very brave brand that have not grew in that way i will say if you look at let's say slack for example which i would consider having a really strong brave brand because they were one of the first one that kind of i think break the codes of what b2b really looked like had to sound like and look like so they did it to like a certain creative excellence on like it doesn't have to be this very formal boring approach so they found a way to to really 
tell the narrative at the beginning through a lot of very cool video, a very different tone of voice, the consistency between their brand and their product experience and how they carry that tone of voice and creativity throughout the product. I would argue that's also how you build brand within the product, right? Like, so they've built that through their experience. So it's again, another, another way, right? And uh, they are an example I really like. The other one that I really like is Zendesk, which I think Mm. I've created like a really strong brand. To me, they really nailing certain creative excellence. And it's not so much, I don't know or connect to anyone from Zendesk on LinkedIn. I don't think so. It doesn't come to mind right now, right? Yet I consider them like a really strong brands through the value of the content they built and they put out there through the kind of more campaign-like work that they do. I talk a lot about like brand gen campaign, which is like a mix of demand gen and brand building at the same (laughs) time. And it can be like through a big interesting or like big kind of buzzworthy type of video that you will hope people will share, but how you build that in in correlation with like additional piece of content that bring value to your audience. So it might be a funny video, but it's will be combined with like a very deep research that you've maybe done that come back up your positioning. It'll come with like some blogs and, and articles and like video series, podcasts potentially. So all of those pieces will kind of work together in help build your brand, your authority on the market, sharing your opinion, and again, it's a different way of doing it than just through the people, right? So I think there's not one way to like build your brand or build a brave brand. There's several ways to do it. Depends on a lot of things, depend on what works for your company and and who you are, and also what the people are willing to put in. So I think it's it, it there's not a one size fit all, right? Like it's not here's a brand strategy and everyone can just like jump on it and you will succeed. I think it it has to be right for that specific company. I have had a lot of conversations about building brand over the last two years, and I'm not sure there has been one with so many nuggets of insightful information. I learned a ton. Hopefully you all did too. Gwen, this was amazing. Appreciate you coming by, giving us all perspective of how to build a brave brand and the elements to do that. We will have to do this again. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. This this was fantastic. <laughs> Gwen was a ton of fun to learn from. I love meeting her in that conversation. Hopefully you learned a little bit about infrastructure, internal culture, benefits of establishing a brave brand, and what dri- driving demand looks like when you've got one. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you. More Modern Day Marketer on the other side. Thank you.